welcome to another episode of One of Us is a Filmmaker podcast. Hey, everybody. Hello. Uh, and we've got quite an exciting week this week, I think. I've been eagerly anticipating this one. Yeah, every week you've been saying, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? Yeah, and I, I know there's some listeners that are interested in this as well. I feel like we've hit a lot of the big hitters in this first series. We've done a bit of Marvel. Mm-hmm. We've done a bit of Pixar. Mm-hmm. You know... And I think this this next thing we're going to talk this about... This is a big... It's another big one. This is a big one. So... It is. It is focusing on the films of Studio Ghibli. Woohoo! So uh, I know there's a little bit of a debate about how that's pronounced. I mean, you've got Ghibli, Ghibli... Ghibli. Ghibli. <laughs> Ghibli. Uh, Do you, I've actually got a fun fact about how they came up with the name Studio Ghibli. Oh, right. Okay, here we go. Here it is. Um, they actually chose it from an Italian noun, Ghibli which was based on a Latin word meaning hot desert wind. Oh. And they chose this word because they wanted the studio to blow a new wind through the anime industry. I'm not going to lie, I think they did that pretty well. Yeah, so no, they, they did. they've hit that one on the head. Yeah, also okay. makes sense. They have a lot of connection to, like, Italy in their films, I think. Or at least to Southern European sort of Mediterranean culture. Like, I think, True. you know, Miyazaki himself, who is one of the main... Uh, directors. directors of the studio in fact I would say the main director um, alright uh, you got, I got a bit of a look from Cassia there but uh, I mean he's he's always been really interested in um, the Mediterranean and flying and I think that was <laughs> I don't know it's just funny the way you said it like that I know I know it was, it was the Mediterranean weird. and flying no I know but it, these themes will come up in our discussion I'm pretty sure oh, no. but like I can understand taking the word from Italian because there's and then there's a lot of like Italian sort of southern European Vibes. vibes. Yeah, some European right. vibes. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, Miyazaki was one of the key founders of mm. Studio Ghibli, which is way back in 1985 they founded it. Mm. Um, so it was Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki, and Isao Takahata, mm-hmm. which is the other main director. And then there was another producer who was one of the three that founded it called Toshio Suzuki. Right. Like the car, but not Well, it is, it is Japan. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you expect that. Um, yeah, it's great. And I know Miyazaki... I wanted to give a shout out to uh, a really good film of his um, called The Castle of Cagliostro. Castle Mm. of Cagliostro. uh, Lupin the Third. So it centres around the detective Lupin. Yeah. Um, And it's just like one of his main films before Studio Ghibli. Mm -hmm. And I only found out about it after, obviously, I'd seen a couple of Studio Ghibli films. And then I went back and watched it. And I was like, this is really, really good. Mm. I can completely understand why he wanted to make his own studio and do his own thing. Yeah. So, you know. Shout out to that film, because I don't know if it's going to come up too much today, but uh, I just wanted to mention. Yeah, so me and Orion have our own top five favourite Ghibli films, mm. which we are going to debate. Um, I'm ready. Yeah, we're ready. Um, but if people don't know Studio Ghibli, essentially, it's like the D- Disney of Japan. You know, right. It's huge. They've done so many animated feature films. They're beloved by many people. Mm-hmm. As I said, Miyazaki and Takahata are the main two directors. There are a few here and there that have been directed by other people, Mm. which we probably will mention at some point. Mm -hmm. Did you know that five out of uh, the ten films that are the highest grossing anime feature films are Studio Ghibli ones? Five out of ten? Five out of ten. That doesn't surprise me actually at all. No. Because, I mean, they've got a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have very big worldwide reach. Yeah, very mass. There are a lot of mass appeal. Yeah. And I think what's amazing about their animated features, which are similar to a lot of the Pixar movies, that they do appeal to adults as yes, well. Yes, yeah. And I also think there is... I don't want to say this because obviously I'm not in from any sort of Japanese culture. I don't necessarily fully understand it. But I think what Studio Ghibli films do really well from an outside of Japan's perspective is it feels like we're almost getting a window into like the reality of life in Japan mm-hmm. and like how people actually live and familial ties and culture. And I think it just comes through really well. I think people like to see that. Yeah. You know, and I also think one thing that Studio Ghibli does to differentiate itself from the animation of Japan mm-hmm. is it's not it's not really anime. Mm. You know, anime has kind of become this like popular culture thing, I guess, in like nowadays. And I think Studio Ghibli does a really good job of sort of finding that balance of embracing parts of Japanese animation that stems from anime, but distinguishes it so that it doesn't necessarily fall into the sort of hyper-fantastic, sometimes over-the-top kind of crazy anime Mm. thing. 
Yeah, um, it's definitely it's definitely different to serial anime. Yeah, like television. television. Yeah, exactly. Very different. Um, and there, I mean, there are some great other uh, feature anime films which we won't go into, but like A Silent Voice and um, oh, what's the one that we make people watch all the time? It's gone from my mind. Oh, my partner's going to kill me because it's his favourite film. Akira is one. No, it's um, the one where the girl and the boy swap bodies. But anyway, I can't think right. My brain's... I'm, 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 oh. I'm filled with Studio Ghibli knowledge right now, yeah, so I can't I access know which one you're talking about, yeah. other information right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but I know we briefly mentioned Miyazaki and Takahata. Mm-hmm. And I know Miyazaki gets sort of hailed as, like, the best director mm-hmm. out of the two. But I do have a fight for Takahata. I've got a very big sweet spot Oh, I wasn't him. saying that before. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying a lot of people, I think, know Miyazaki films. Mm. Um, more because I think they commercially have been more successful yes, than Tarakata's yeah, yeah, overall. Yeah. But I sort of wanted to, b- before we jump into our top fives, kind of discuss the differences between them. Because for me, Miyazaki, he does mm-hmm. more sort of family coming of age, fantastical adventures. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why maybe they're a bit more accessible and a bit more mainstream. Yeah, almost Spielberg yeah. in a way. Yeah, can, uh, yeah. They're very sprawling and just the settings are so heightened. Mm. Whereas I feel like Takahata, he does slightly more allegorical, political, um, or very simple relationship explorations. Yeah. So Miyazaki has done a lot of the big names. He's done, you know, Spirited Away, My Day of Totoro, films like that. And then Takahata's yeah. done, I would say, your more adult sort of films from I, Studio I would, Ghibli. I would agree. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. Only Yesterday, Pompoko, mm-hmm. My Neighbor the Yamadas. So I think... Those are the main differences between them, and I think they both have their place. Well, the other difference I noticed, and have noticed from watching um, a couple of films, some of them I haven't seen, I just know about, mm. right? But Takahata's not afraid to diverge from the typical animation style that yes. Miyazaki is so known for, which is more which is more close to just conventional animation yeah. in, in Japan, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. I think... In a way, Takahata is a bit more of a risk taker in that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, this leads me into my favourite. Oh, you're going film. straight in. I am. And I've got oh. my order. So what I think we'll do Here this we time, instead of the Pixar films where we each said our five and then ordered them, mm-hmm. I think if we just go back and forth, I'll say my number one, you say your number one. Then we'll say our number two, your number two. Yeah, I'm up for We'll that. go that way. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Cool. Oh, do I have them numbered? Well, you're going to have to number them while uh, I say right, what my... Here we go. I'm going to think. Carry on. Here we go. I'm, I'm ready. My number one favourite, and this, I was thinking about it a lot because it's between two, but I've had to put The Tale of Princess Kaguya as my favourite. You talk about that film, actually not a lot, but when you do talk about it, I don't know, it, it's it's held in very high esteem. Yeah, I can't help but gush about how absolutely <laughs> incredible the film is. I, but it's one of those films weirdly that I do not want to watch again mm. I watched it once and emotionally it broke me I was crying mess on the floor <laughs> after I watched that film you watched it in the cinema? no I watched it um, on TV and do you know it's actually the most expensive anime film ever made in Japan really? yep it's because it was all hand drawn backgrounds wow. everything all hand drawn I mean after what was it it was like after 2000 when Spirited Away came in they not a lot, but they did start using shade cell shading and uh, CGI for some of the artwork that was going on. So mm. like this, this, that was a big development to go back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was made in 2013, but production or you know just even storyboarding was five, six, seven years before mm-hmm. it was actually finished. Um, annoyingly, it didn't win the Oscar. It was nominated for best animated feature. What beat it? Uh, big Hero Six. Oh. Okay. I know you like that film. I, that is a good film. That's fine. Which, you know, is a good film. But I think just The Tale of Princess Kaguya was so groundbreaking in terms of animation. Mm. And you think, is it groundbreaking to just do what, you know, we used to do? <laughs> <laughs> but actually it is. And the style is so mm. beautiful. And critically, it's one of the most acclaimed um, Studio Ghibli films. Box office wise, it didn't do it amazing. I think it actually lost a fair bit of money, especially considering how expensive it was. Um, He's a risk taker. He is, Takahasa. That's why I love him. <laughs> that's why I love him. And uh, if people don't know the story of the tale of Princess Kaguya, it's actually based on an old Japanese tale called the tale of the bamboo cutter who chops open a tree and inside he finds this, this sort of celestial godlike baby girl. And essentially they raise it in the human world and at the end she sort of has to return to her, you know, God 
like place and mm. it's a story about greed and human relationships and it's a very emotional film and you you sort of know where the end like where it's leading to at the end that mm. she has to leave this place but you just hope you're like oh maybe there's a twist where she can stay and all this stuff and because what's also explored is that her her adoptive human dad right. the one who found her yeah yeah you know he's trying to force her to get married because that would you know bring a lot of honor to the family and everything and it's oh bring honor to us all yeah exactly that just, that just came into my head yeah. <laughs> um, um and there's hard things about being a human that mm-hmm. she goes through but actually she feels like it's her family and she's growing up there and everything um and at the end you know she has to leave and it's just very sad yeah i mean for shame for me because I haven't seen it and it's you have it's, to watch it it's it's on my list and I, it's actually quite high on my list of why have you not watched this you know like I, it does look really interesting um and everything you said about Takahata I, I would agree with like it's he just takes risks and he the stuff he does is interesting it's you know? it's very interesting it's very beautiful it's very compelling yeah very emotional it's, really draws you in it's, it's quite imp- gritty sometimes I find yeah it's I mean I think the emotional side of the tale of Princess Kaguya is very gritty and very human. Mm. I think that's what Takata does really well. Yeah. Really well. Yeah, for sure. So that's why that's a number one on my list. If people out there have not seen it, please, please watch it. It's yeah. beautiful. It's moving. You'll break down and cry. Well, maybe you won't, but I certainly did. And yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know how I say I often watch my favorite movies again and again? Yeah. This film I, I hold in such high esteem I don't, not I don't, well, I don't want to ruin the experience yeah. I have watching it. Mm-hmm. There are some films where you have such a experience watching it, you don't want to try and recapture it. Yeah. Sometimes you, I completely agree with you in the sense that you do have things that you watch, see, hear, or experience that you just think that is all sort of, it, it feels like it should be a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. yeah. You don't need it twice. Yeah. For sure. I'm saying that. So what's your number one? My number one. Um, Okay, so I've been mulling this over for a while, not just for this podcast, but also for my life and what I think about Studio Ghibli. Uh, Important life questions. It is very important life question because there are so many. Now, number one is going to have to go to what I think is probably a fan favourite, Spirited Away. Mm. And I want to make it clear, it's not necessarily my emotionally, the one I connect to the most, but... I think it's my favourite because I do emotionally connect with it and it's so nostalgic for me and I also think it's probably just the best film in Studio Ghibli that I've seen. Mm. I don't know know about Kaguya, maybe I'll be convinced. But yeah, yeah, there's something about Spirited Away that managed to connect with Western audiences as well, like so well. And Mm. it's, it's become, other than like Totoro, I think it's become probably the most iconic thing from, to come from yeah. Studio Ghibli is Spirited Away. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, for people who don't know what Spirited Away is about, this daughter ends up in this magical world uh, where her parents are taken away from her and she has to somehow navigate surviving and living in this new fantastical world that she didn't know even existed. And she's struggling and trying to find out how she can bring her parents back. Who have been turned into pigs. Yes, they've point. been turned into pigs at this point. It's this wonderful, like, adventurous tale where she gets help from, you know, this friend who works at what they call the bathhouse, and they just go and try and search for someone who can help turn her parents, who were pigs, back into humans. And it's just, I haven't done a great job of selling it, (laughs) I know, but there's something so captivating about it. It's very, it's a very well done coming of age film. And this is actually a note about a lot of Miyazaki films, Takahata as well, is that they do female protagonists really well. Yes, yeah. They're very authentic. I think that speaks to all of Studio Ghibli. It's just its authenticity. I think in Spirited Away, it comes across really well because, you know, Chihiro, the main character, she's not... She's not... Perfect. She's not perfect in it by any means. And that comes across in all the things. Like, there's scenes where she has to learn how to work. You know, she's scrubbing the floor and... uh, 
uh, I can't remember the spider guy. The spider guy is like really annoyed at her because he's just like, just hurry up and put the coal in the fire. But she's never seen a furnace before. She's never seen coal. And then all these weird little black like um, the, the smoke mites, furballs. yeah, mites, snow, snow furballs or whatever, come out and start freaking her out. So it's, the dust balls, dust, the dust balls. That's it. So she's not perfect, and she also, you know, isn't handheld throughout the whole thing. It's not like one of Miyazaki's quotes actually is that he writes characters who need support but they don't have their narratives told for them they, yeah, they they're they, very active in they their are story. active in their own story exactly you know but and, a part of life is acknowledging that we need help sometimes and we have friends and family that make us stronger and make us better and i think that really comes across as well yeah definitely and also i think in terms of female protagonists there is sort of a love story in Spirited Away, mm. but it's not, it's like a subplot and it's not the focus at all. Yeah. And it's actually not very explicit either. Yeah. You could read the relationship as platonic, like more brother and sisterly than romantic. I think that's how I read it. And yeah, um, I, yeah okay, I won't give it away because I, I don't want to necessarily give it away, but um, it's, to me, I read it as platonic and I, I always feel like it's actually about the sort of love that exists through nostalgia and knowing someone from such a young age mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's hard to describe without actually explaining yeah, the story. Yeah. so you know but um there's it's also interesting because there are lots of overtly political things going on in spirited away like uh one of the lines right at the start when the parents are getting turned into pigs that whole thing is about greed and one of the lines mm. that's read is daddy's got credit cards and cash you know mm. like he, he's just talking about how he can just spend money he doesn't care and he's just he's just eating up all this food non-stop because he's just so gluttonous in a way and it's and then and then metaphor of no face which who does the same thing yeah he literally literally eats gold eats people you yeah. know he eats anything it's so and scary just, yeah it's terrifying there are really scary it's just a really scary image. Yeah, um, such a good... He's kind of a villain, but kind of not. And I always think he's like one of the scariest villain creatures ever written. Yeah. He doesn't... Beca- he sort of is not a villain, but um, in terms of something that really scared me, especially when I was younger, it's up there. But that, I mean, that brings up another point about Spirited Away, which is like... It's you don't have these conventional roles that everyone fits into. You know, the mm-hmm. the love interest isn't really a love interest, and it's it's not it's not like a sidekick either. You no, know, it's, yeah. it's it's like he's got his own story. Yeah, as well. his own story, his own development, and his own interaction with the protagonist. And then, as you said, No Face is not quite. There's not quite like an an antagonist as you might think. You know, maybe in Yubaba you could say there's she's the antagonist, but. It's not so clear cut. And it's not wrapped up in a perfect way where yeah. she gets killed and she wins, mm-hmm. you know, Tichiro wins and everyone's everything's back happy yeah. dandy. I mean it ends basically with How the message. <laughs> yeah, it does. It it's almost like a cyclical in that yeah. way. And and there's also almost this mystery of what was that we just watched in a way? What what just happened? You know, yeah. what what was the film? What was that experience? We aren't really sure. It's a very visceral film and I remember watching it in the cinema, like we talk about a lot. But just when she tries to run away and the water's suddenly there and she mm. can't go and I just I always imagine what I would think and be like in that situation. Yeah. And terrified and freaked out is the same. And just great sequences, you know, when she's running down the stairs and she like she doesn't trip, but like one breaks and then she's suddenly running. Oh and she goes, <laughs> She like sprints down the staircase. Yeah, I'd yeah. always have dreams about that happening to me, just being in some weird magical place, running down loads of stairs. But it, um, it, unlike The Tale of Princess Kaguya, it did win the Oscar, Best Animated Feature in uh, 2003, yeah. even though the film came out in 2001. Well, it released in the West, right? Yeah, it and, um, and it's always, Oscars always win after the year they're yeah. released. I've got a really interesting thing about the dynamic between um studio ghibli and and the west is so for those who don't know disney is i think it was in like 2000 they became the official publisher of studio ghibli films in the west basically so disney Mm. works with studio ghibli quite a lot and spirited away was like the first big commercial studio ghibli film that they were really trying to like push push because i think they had released princess mononoke Mm -hmm. and that did fairly well and so I think they were like, oh, we really want Spirited Away to be a big commercial success. And so actually Harvey Weinstein, mm. that guy, 
right? <laughs> that guy. For anyone that doesn't know, most people hate him for very, very good reason. Uh, and uh, But he, along with other executives at Disney, were saying to Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli, we need to cut your film. Mm. We need to make cuts. It's not going to translate well to an American audience, basically, is what they were saying. And so Miyazaki being Miyazaki, mm. he sent them a samurai sword and it had had a letter in it which simply said, no cuts. <laughs> That's Guess literally so. all that happened. I love that story. And so what you're seeing is an unedited version yeah. of what was released in Japan, basically. That's so good. It's great when um, artists are able to stick up for their work and it not be changed. Because, I mean, I know Harvey Weinstein <clears throat> was, like, notorious for basically re-editing people's films. Yeah, it's all because it's completely destructive of creative integrity. And also, Hayao Miyazaki was probably in the position where he was like, I literally don't care if you release this in the West. I, yeah. I don't care. Like, if, you don't, if you're not going to, I don't care. I'm not here to make... Money. A crap ton of money, you know. I, yeah. I'm here. You know to, he has. <laughs> I mean, yes, of course he has. But yeah, the he, motivation he, there is. Yeah, the is motivation nice. is is nice. Yeah, and um, also I know with the voice acting as well, they really were keen for it to be, you know, really well done. And mm. they had even John Lasseter from Pixar involved yeah. in directing wow. the voice actors. Wow. So I actually can't remember if that's for Spirited Away or for one of the earlier films. I need to double check that. You're so right that they Disney were really keen to push Studio Ghibli to the masses. Yeah. And it's nice that even though, of course, Disney would have helped, actually the film alone is what was strong enough without needing to be Disneyfied or Harvey Weinsteinified. Uh, it did great on yeah. its own. 100%. Well, um, saying all that, Spirit Away is number two on my list. Oh, it's, your, it's number two on your list? Yes. Oh, well, that's nice. Okay. So I'm not going to rehash everything we just said at all because we spoke a lot about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, completely fine. But yeah, that's my number two. That's your number two. So we can go straight back to you. What's your number two? My number two, all right. I think I know, actually. I know, I know. Can Wait, I guess? You know what? <laughs> Can I guess? Give it a go, give it a go. I'm, I'm now just, I'm recon reconsolidating. Okay. So. I think it's Whisper of the Heart. It might have to be. Yeah, it is. It might have be. to be Whisper of the Heart. Now. Tell me why you love this movie so much, because so, whenever you say, what's your favourite, like, if I ask you, what's your favourite movie? It's like Blade Runner. I was for the heart. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're why? Very similar. I don't know what you're talking about now. I'm joking. Mm. They're completely different. But um, okay, so Whisper of the Heart came out in 1995, and it was directed by Yoshifumi Kondo, mm. who only directed. Uh, I'm trying to see. I think there was. Oh, it was the only one. Yeah, it was the only film that uh, Yoshifumi Kondo directed. Nice. Which is yeah, really impressive. Because um, as much as I love Miyazaki, he didn't give up the reins too much. I would mm. say. Um, on letting other people do some stuff. So Whisper of the Heart is... Oh, why do I love Whisper of the Heart? Well, you asked a tough question. Mm. Um, I'm guessing it's a coming-of-age film. It is a coming-of-age film, and it's actually a film that maybe we both sort of identify with about a young person, in this case, young woman. She's She wants to be a writer, you know, at the behest of everyone around her, mm -hmm. basically saying... Don't do it. You know, don't 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 do don't it. pursue this. And and so the story is it's about her writing this novel and going through the trials and tribulations of thinking, Am I good enough to do this? Am I good enough to be a writer? What does it mean to be a writer? And she's discovering this all the time. Why do I love it so much? Mm. It is very and you use this term emotionally visceral. I would say. And I, I think there's so many amazing scenes where you kind of just look at and, and it's just a still image, basically. Mm -hmm. and, and like there's this very vivid image for me of her lying on her floor. The, it's just like almost like a Wes Anderson image. Oh. And she's just lying on her floor, just kind of in a depression about being unable to write and not thinking she's good enough to do it. And it's just kind of like, I kind of feel that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I relate to those I, I relate to those, those feelings. I also think when I went through my depressive period in my life, that was a film I watched all the time. So I have very strong connection to it through that. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I can understand why people might not like it because it's quite cheesy. Mm -hmm. I would say there's a lot of very cheesy lines, like right at the end, one of the lines is the boy just turns around and says, Shizoko, I love you. Like it, and it's just really like over the top and cheesy, and it's just a really funny ending. But I think it's it's got a place in your heart. It's yeah, that that's probably why it's number two uh, for me. It's got a place in my heart. 
That's, Lovely. that's what I would say. Beautiful. Yeah. We love that. Well, I've seen Whisper of the Heart once or twice. It's not one that really sticks massively in my memory. No. But I would be happy to watch it again. And I'll see if I find the line at the end. Yeah. Hilarious. And there was a pseudo sequel to it called The Cat Returns. Yeah, yeah. Which I've is, seen The Cat Returns. Yeah, which is like... I like The Cat Returns. Which is almost like a follow-up to the story that she's written. Yeah, it's the sort of... Like it's the story happening. Not written. quite. Oh, okay. That's why it's kind of a spin-off, kind of a sequel. Because yeah. I've seen The Cat Returns and it is very fantastical. But I, I really don't like it, The Cat Returns, actually. Interesting. Um, All right, well, I'll go on to my yeah, number go, three, go, go. which see. I think is, apart from Spirited Away, the other iconic Studio Ghibli movie, it is mm-hmm. My Neighbour Totoro. I thought one of us was going to bring that up. It's 99, uh, 1998. It's 1988. Yeah, 1988, yeah. And Sorry. it's... Oh, it's like a warm cup of soup, that movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. It's really just about family and siblings and relationships. And it's not an over-the-top dramatic storyline. It's very no. simple. It's basically just about these kids who have their mum in hospital and they move to a new house and they want the mum to get better. And at the end, they realise that the mum will eventually get better. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah terms, pretty much. It's pretty light-hearted. In terms of plot, it's very, you know, simple. thin, I suppose. Yeah. But... Uh, that's part of the beauty of it. And it's just their life and how they see things through a child's eyes. And they meet this forest spirit called Totoro, who is there to look out for them. Mm. And, you know, at first they're fascinated and even scared by it. And then he becomes their friend. And it's it's lovely. It's yeah. sweet. It's beautiful. Such well, such good directing. Mm. Really good voice acting. So at the time uh, when it had, um, I think it was in the late 90s, they did a, Reversion yeah. with American actors and they used to go to Fanning as the older sister right. and Elle Fanning her actual sister mm-hmm. as a younger sister so they have really great chemistry mm. and helps the characters leap from the uh, movie yeah I mean as we've said about you know Spirited Away all of the dubbed versions like English dubs are, are good are good like yeah, there's not a bad I've seen one. both from like and in my name Toro I've seen it in, in, in Japanese and English same as Spirited Away yeah. Uh, so yeah so they both have this a very similar impact, no matter who's doing the voices or, or what language it's in. My Neighbour Totoro, Totoro has great music. That's what I was about to say. And I actually, I, I went to see the play version of it at the, yes, the Barbican yeah, recently, yeah, which yeah. was so great. They used all the original music. They had a, a woman singing the songs from the film. Oh, live. Yeah, live. Oh. They actually had a massive, giant, huge Totoro like puppet. <laughs> It was amazing and great acting and it really, it basically was the film, but live and really creative. They did all this set and everything really creatively. How was the, what did the cat bus look like? Because that's quite an iconic sort of image. Yeah, um, they used the exact same look because in right. all the cat, they didn't try and change from the animation. Right. It was this sort of inflatable or what's the word like a, you know like a parachute used to you when, when you were a kid yeah like a semicircle it was like that sort of material oh so yeah, like yeah, plastic yeah 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 sort yeah. of massive right parachute vibe okay I see uh, it was really really good and they used a lot of shadows and stuff whereas the Totoro was like a massive puppet yeah yeah and uh, I mean in case because I'm not sure if we've explicitly said this but Totoro the big beast is is the mascot is the, uh, is the mascot of Studio Ghibli yeah. so whenever you see Studio Ghibli it's got that weird little pudgy yeah. <laughs> like thing he's not little in the film though no he's, but he's big uh, <laughs> well because they have they have kind of like a, a mini Totoro sort of yeah they do mini they have a little blue one yeah the little boy and then big boy little one little big yeah, one yeah um, but it's it's an iconic film mm. and it's a great story and as I said it feels like a cup of warm soup yeah. I just put it on and you just feel feel better about your life yeah. feel better about the world so that's why it's my number three spot it's interesting because, I mean, the film I want to talk about right now actually isn't in my top five, but the whole light and airiness of My Neighbor Totoro, that came about really very intentionally. That was a very intentional thing to do because that same year, Isao Takahata had um, released Grave, of the, five Grave of the Fireflies. And Grave of the Fireflies is this really gritty, tough story about a boy and his little sister surviving World War Two. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like in and surviving basically all these air raid bombings and and just shells flying. So it's basically quite a depressing film. Yeah, it's and a hard I, watch. And it it was it's a particularly hard watch, I think, for Japanese audiences who, at the time it came out in the eighties, would have 
had a lot of people seeing it who had actually lived that experience. They would remember. Yeah, yeah they would remember it. And so, and I mean, anyone that watches Grave of the Fireflies, it's 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 pretty intense. It's I can't lie. Heavy. It's, it is very heavy. It's very intense. Um, and so, Miyazaki and Takahata together said, "Okay, let's have this dynamic between this kind of counterbalance of heavy and light." And yeah. so they released them in the same year, actually. Mm-hmm. Actually, they were their second and third films ever under the Studio Ghibli umbrella. I mean, they're both very good. Yeah, really yeah. great. And I think My Neighbor Toro still stands up as that sort of warm, loving film. Yeah. As I said, it's a film I'll watch when I'm feeling down. Always make you feel good about yourself. Yeah, because it's like it's so easy to watch, you know. It's, it's that warm cup of soup, like you said. Well, is it in your top five? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew it wasn't. That's this, is I a te- this is a testament to just there's so I mean, there's, many good. Yeah, there are lots. There are lots. Um, it's like Pixar. Like it sometimes, it's hard. I would say even more so than Pixar. I, it's hard to say what's like a bad one. There yeah. are a few. Yes, I wouldn't. We, we have a, a few dishonorable yeah, mentions we, 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 which we'll, we'll do later. Um, but, but all right, what's your number three? Then? So my number three. So it's going to have to be Porco Rosso. Ah, nice. I do love a bit of Porcarosso. Yeah. You know why I love Porcarosso? It's funny. <laughs> it is jokes. It's really funny. Italy? Yeah. It's <laughs> We've got, so, um, a quick synopsis. I'll try a quick synopsis here. Um, this man-turned-pig mm. is a seaplane pilot in the Adriatic Sea. Wind, there you go. Wind and planes wind, again. Winds and planes. It's all there. <laughs> Italy, it's all there. Um, and he takes on this young apprentice, this young female apprentice, who wants to be an aeroplane designer and is an engineer and all that. And he ends up having to fight these seaplane pilots for her honour. There's not much else to it. But it's it's really nice. Like, it's, it, I, I guess I've just watched it so many times. I remember just us being at, you know, our dad's house and every Saturday morning, that's going on the TV. You know, like, I watched it basically every two weeks, mm-hmm. I would say. I think it was kind of the first time... Miyazaki really got to express his love of planes. I know mm. in earlier works you do see it, but this kind of is overtly about yeah. planes, seaplanes, and 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 fighting in the war in planes and stuff like that. And it's just really beautiful. I mean, just the glimmer of the ocean in in so many thi- like so I, many scenes. I really love the animation as yeah, well, and yeah. Bokurasu and. I, it's such an enjoyable film. We've actually got a poster of it at home. Yeah, it's really, really good. And it's it's kind of this tale of, like, again, greed and sort of self-obsession. Him as the main character, he's not particularly likable in a lot of ways. No. Which I think is nice. Yeah, he's you intentionally know, he's complex not complex and, and he matures, I'd say, throughout mm. the film as well. Definitely is a story of maturity. This young apprentice that he takes on, she's kind of bubbly and full of life and wants to experience the world and he's been torn down by the world yeah. and he kind of... It's the opposites coming together. Yeah. And how they balance each other out. You know, he learns to be more maybe optimistic and she becomes a bit more grounded. Yeah. And there's a really nice relationship that Porco has with this woman who runs this bar that mm. all the pirates go to and you know it's always a bit of contention because she really she's kind of in love with Porco and you know all this history and there's a lot of unspoken history in the film as well that you're yeah. kind of left to figure out which yeah, is, I quite like that it's not it's not explicit plot exactly it's, it's little subtle it's world building which yeah, doesn't yeah. then have to be explained and I, I love films like that yeah it's it's like not needing um, over explanation or expo- over- yeah you yeah. need all this exposition like so many films these days they just chuck in a, a character 10 lines of exposition and I'm just like just show me like don't don't explain it that's the filmmaker's tool is to show not tell yeah just you just let the audience figure it out because audiences are cleverer than you're giving them credit for if you oh, do yeah, that for sure so you know but really fun and just very beautiful to be honest I really love it I would say my fourth film, I think, is very beautiful. Oh. Fourth on the list. Okay, hit me. Uh, my fourth favourite film is When Marnie Was There, which is, again, <sighs> one of the more recent ones. <sighs> when Marnie Was There. 2014. As a side note, that's mm. my number four too. Oh, is it really? 
really? Yeah. Wow, I did, like, we did not discuss nope. these top fives at all. The only reason I guessed Whisper of the Heart would be number two is because Jiggy always talks about how much he I loves do that go on. I do go on about that quite a lot, to be fair. When Marnie was there, it's a really lovely friendship story, and mm. it's about this this girl who's sick, she's struggling with asthma, and then she goes to the Japanese countryside to this strange villa to, to try and heal somewhat. And there she sees visions of this uh, traditionally feminine blonde girl in yeah. sort of old-fashioned clothes and they develop this friendship but she's sort of the only one who can see her mm-hmm. and actually there's this great mystery that ends up unraveling over yeah. the film and it's a lovely not a vert twist at the end but they're actually closer than you could imagine when you yeah. first start watching the film it's oh yeah it makes me emotional that film I, I get emotional I, I get very emotional and again I think the same thing for me with Whisper of the Heart is I watched it around that time where because I was going through a hard time in my life mm. I identify with it so well because the main character is basically suffering from depression and she gets you know doctors got doctors tell her basically go and spend time in the countryside to feel rejuvenated yeah to feel rejuvenated to go and heal and so she goes and lives with her aunt, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, yeah, oh, cool. it's her aunt. And, um, yeah, it's just about her experiencing life outside the city and coming to terms with the fact that she is actually depressed. And, she, yeah, she gets wrapped up in this whole, like, story. But is it real? Is it not real? And she can't really understand why she knows about this story. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. And there are some really, really heavily emotional points in the story, like where... You know the scene where the with the lighthouse, yeah. where the, it's like this terrifying, like monolithic thing, mm-hmm. and the, there's is, she's almost drawn to it. Like there's almost yeah. this calling to go to this place, and she doesn't understand why. But it's really terrifying. It's really damp. It's really dingy, and she gets kind of to the top, and then like passes out and gets found. Yeah, it's all very strange, and she's not really sure what's going on. And as as the audience, you're not really sure what's going on and why this has happened and then yeah. gets revealed later and all exactly that. don't yeah. want to give it give it away because we encourage people to go watch it yeah exactly I'm dry. it's hard because obviously there's so much I want to say you know yes, could hold back a bit don't want to give it all away yes I, I really think people should watch it I think it's is less one of the less famous ones I only happened to watch it because it was on film four or something it was on tv and I really got drawn in again the animation is really beautiful really great friendship story mm. you know these two girls at the heart of it it's very much coming of age and it's actually a psychological drama it's yes, really yeah what it yeah is. yeah that's a good way to describe it so i think it really deserves that number four spot i think so at least yeah i think as for me as well so you say you saw it on tv it was one of the film the studio ghibli's that i remember actively in the cinema going to see it i saw it with oh, our right. sister Kaylin, and um i just came out of it and just thought I did not expect that to be so good. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't have know anything about Mind blown. It. Yeah. Because it's, it's based off a book mm, by, by a Western author. I can't oh, remember right. what the name is. Um, but again, you know, that family that she sees this blonde haired girl, that's all very European. And I think uh, one, of the, one of the things that is really interesting. She's got an Alice in Wonderland vibe. Yeah, it's very Alice in Wonderland. And, and like we said earlier, like, Studio Ghibli really has this kind of obsession with sort of west versus not versus but like showcasing the west and showcasing japan mm-hmm. i think i mean it's also evident in like Howl's moving castle you know there's a very western kind of i, I want to say like old germanic town and stuff like that you know yes, just that kind yeah. of thing they're always keen to show that you know as, as a kind of a contrast to the japanese side of life yeah yeah all right. Yeah. Well then. Good film. Well then, you go first this time. What is your number five? To okay. Round up number, the list? F- number five. Number five. I wonder if many people have heard of it, mm-hmm. and the reason is because it was um, it released in 1993. It's called Ocean Waves, mm-hmm. and it was actually a released in Japanese television. Oh. Not even in the cinemas. It was released in Japanese television. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only one hour long, and it's a completely nostalgic story about. A new girl moving to a school and this young boy learning that he falls in love with her over the period of his high school experience oh. and just going into uni. And I feel like I might have seen Ocean Waves once. Yeah, it's... But maybe I haven't. Sounds know, kind of similar to quite a few other Ghibli films. Uh, it, well, it has a plot. <laughs> so well, think it's, people's aversion to Ocean Waves usually is, oh my God, it's just a bomb of nostalgia. It's all about 
remembering what life was like in high school. Mm. Like, if you're not fond oh, of that... Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, I've if, you, if you're not it, fond yes, of it, like, you probably won't get on with it. But, yeah. If, it's hit, if it hits you if right... If it hits you right, it hits you, and it hits you yeah. pretty good, <laughs> you know? And it's it's really nice. It's got some of the best music. I mean, it was directed by um, uh, Tomomi uh, Mochizuki. Mm. Um, so there's a quite a good... We've got quite a good range of directors in our top five. Yeah, I know, it's good. It's not just all Miyazaki, you know? No, no, no. Yeah, so it was him and I think two other artists from the studio kind of said to him, like, let us let us, let us, let us give it a go, making a film. He said, yeah, okay, we've got this, you know, television set coming up. Why don't you try and do an hour an hour film? And they said, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just really nice. Like, the music is so good. It's so powerful. It just plays in that sentiment of, like, sudden realisation of thinking, oh, you know what, this person actually... I love them and like it's a growing relationship through hard times and you kind of think oh you know we don't actually get on but then realizing actually some of your best memories are with that person even if you're fighting even yeah even if you're fighting and then yeah and then again it's all about even the characters are nostalgic and it it showcases like um although you get it in other studio ghibli films which is japanese life in both cities and towns it it does a really good job of sort of showcasing what just life was like mm. you know just cycling around town in japan you know or just going to school in japan yeah you know it's just really nice for that it's very nostalgic so if you want something like that it's very short as well and you can find it on netflix give it a go <laughs> that's my sales pitch for exactly the there, waves. Go. <laughs> there you go so uh we got number five yeah we well go. i actually don't have a number five i've got a there list of about seven films no in my number no 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 you've got to make an executive decision I don't right know. now i would accept it if it was a tie between two but i need an executive decision mm. out of seven films i'm looking at a big list here well i think i think here we go right. huh here we go in the witch no <laughs> tales from mercy <laughs> no no. <laughs> no um fine i think i'll just have to also say porco rosso okay it's either porco rosso you're putting a lot of porco on the yeah, o. Yeah, sorry. Porco. That's all right. Porco Rosso. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Well, that <laughs> is how you say it. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I didn't know if that was like an Italian accent I was missing. Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso. Yeah, you know. Um, for all the reasons we've already talked about Porco Rosso, I really like it. Yeah. Really great. And then I'm, I'm sort of tying, toying between a few others, like I said, but I won't say them. Um, but I would, I would like to mention Princess Mononoke, which is sort of hovering around that fifth spot just because mm. it's a very iconic movie. Yeah. It's very violent. I remember the first time I oh, watched it and I was violent. like, oh, Nick. Whoa, it's very affecting. Mm. Uh, it's very affecting, very violent and heartbreaking in a lot of ways. And I think even though I don't have the strongest memory of necessarily the plot, mm-hmm. I remember it being a very visceral experience watching it, right. which I think is why I wanted to put it in my top five. It's very visceral. It's, it's very it's, visceral. It's, it's all about a connection to nature. Yeah. Like, it's all about understanding that humans impact this world. And we're destroying Yeah, and we are it. destroying it. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, yeah, Princess Mononoke, is, it's, it was a very big film, as I said, in America, yeah. as well as here, because they put yeah. a lot of money and time and energy in yeah. trying to push it. And It, like it, said, it was, well. like I said, the, the film that did well enough for then Disney to go, okay, we're putting everything behind Spirited Away. Yeah. You know, we're, we're really trying to showcase this new one because of basically that. It did so well. Yeah. You know? So that was why Princess Mononoke slash Porco Rosso were sort of in the... in On, on the line. In the fifth spot there. Yeah, yeah. But do you want to hear the other ones I've got written down, which well, don't I make mean, my top five? Yeah. These are going to be my honourable honorable mentions. Uh, honourable mentions. Okay, you know what? That's a good shout. Let's Here do we it. go. Honourable mentions for me, mm-hmm. which I might... I don't think people necessarily agree with, but... They're sort of the reason that you've put a lot on your top five of nostalgic vibes mm. and just p- enjoyment, even though I might know analytically maybe they're not the best mm-hmm. films. Um, so my honourable mentions for me are mm-hmm. Kiki's Delivery Service. Really? I enjoy that film a lot. Really? I know lots of people don't like it. Wow, that's very interesting. How's Moving Castle. Ah, that's a good film. I really like that yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and when she's old. And- anyway, um, <laughs> another one that people don't really like, just- I think... Is yeah. Arietti, which is sort of based on the borrowers, essentially. What's, what's, what I think is actually there are quite a few people that like Arietti. It appealed to Western audiences because of that story. Yeah. Because of being based off the borrowers, I think it was like, oh, people get it. Yeah. You know? And when I was a kid, I used to watch the John Goodman borrowers, so maybe I was just, you know. That is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then my last one in my top honourable mentions category is Pompoco. Pompoco. The raccoon one. I've watched like a bit of it and then I fell asleep. Which what? 
I know it's not good, but it, I watched it when I shouldn't have watched it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I shouldn't, that, I shouldn't have watched it at that point. Pompoko essentially is a big metaphor for, again, humans destroying nature and... Uh, it's the financial crash, right? In, in 1982, it's based on or something, something or the 1990s. Yeah, remember. and the raccoons are essentially getting... It's like the raccoons' own little society, right. but they're getting encroached on more and more by the human civ- yeah. civilization building out. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, it's also about sort of the relationships and politics between the raccoons themselves and how they're going to deal with the humans coming more into their territory mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and a lot of it is told with voiceover. So yeah. You've got the characters, but there's this voiceover sort of uh, as a raccoon. Within yeah, the yeah, I, I do remember that sort of voiceover being there. Like I, I um, have fragments this, of it. This is a Takahasa movie and is one of my favourites. Um, I think it's really great, and it's just it's a very easy watch. Yeah, Defter is about quite a heavy subject, but it is an allegory, and it, you can just in you know you don't have to. It doesn't feel too heavy, whereas yeah. other films that mm-hmm. studio could be has done yeah. like Grave of the Fireflies are very heavy and tough to watch whereas yeah. this is it's about something that is serious but it's it's done in a kind of comedic light mm. um, and I have yeah what about your honourable honorable honorable mentions? mentions well I'm kind of glad because I actually don't think our honourable mentions are necessary I mean some overlap but like it's not as Huge. overt as I thought okay. like, it's not like we're exactly the same so I, I would also put um, what was it Princess Mononoke in, in an honourable mention no nice. uh, because it is actually really good Iconic. Yeah, for me, it just doesn't make my top five. That's mm-hmm. that's basically yeah. it. But kind of alongside, there's this kind of a point I wanted to talk about with it, is alongside Princess Mononoke, you have the very first release from Studio Ghibli, which is Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind. Yeah, it's actually technically before Studio Ghibli was founded. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind is... I don't really understand. No, like technically not a good Studio Ghibli film. I'm no, afraid. it's it's not. The first Studio Ghibli film was Laputa Castle in the Sky. That's the very oh, first yeah. one. Very, all right, very good. <laughs> but I, so I we would, can still talk about I, it. I'm going to talk about it because I, it falls very nicely with... What you're um, going to say. Yeah, because so throughout, as you mentioned, basically all Studio Ghibli films, there's this theme of the environment. Mm-hmm. And it's like very connected to the earth, very connected to spirituality and very connected to nature. And essentially what's happening in Nazca, the Valley of the Wind, is in this sci-fi sort of post-apocalyptic dystopian world, there's these giant bugs, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just kind mm-hmm. of destroying everything. And yeah, I've stuff. seen them. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about Studio Ghibli is my whole like environmental spiel about mm-hmm. me and just feeling really connected to climate justice and, cl- and you know, preserving our environment, it really speaks to me because mm-hmm. it's so clear that Miyazaki especially, you know, as well with Takahata, but I, I, I've noticed especially with Miyazaki, he's very like, you know what, we are impacting this world very detrimentally and we need to really rethink our connection to nature. And I really like that a filmmaker is not only doing that, but has managed to get such a global reach with that message. Yeah. Yeah, so that is, those two make my top. Um, Honourable mentions. Yeah. I also uh, really, 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 really like um, The Wind Rises. I was going to say, that yeah. that's close to my honourable faves. Yeah, The Wind Rises needs to be there. I mean, The Wind Rises is sort of like pseudobiographical. It's not exactly Miyazaki's life story, but I think it's what he wished was his life I was going to say, story. I think it's what he could have become if he went down a different path. Yeah, because it's, it's all about him being basically... Uh, aeronautics engineer Mm -hmm. and an airplane designer and again flying in flight is this overarching like thing in all his films like it's it's always there in some sort of form yeah um and the wind rises is this really human tale about just living through the war and trying to be just live your life with a vision in a way you know be he, he with imagined, integrity for what he wants to yeah, do with and integrity. how he wants to achieve it. Because he, he wants to design planes, but mm-hmm. he doesn't want them used for war. He wants yeah. to design grand, amazing planes that people marvel at, you know. And and there's this recurring Italian character in the whole thing. <laughs> Again, classic. <laughs> classic. There's this really weird, like, dream dreamland Italian historic figure who's always coming to him in his dreams saying, like, Pursue your dreams. Don't... Sort of like Gusto and, and Remy. It literally, <laughs> is, it literally is that kind of vibe. And it's just like, just stop listening to everyone else. Do your own thing. Do your thing. Yeah. and uh, Do your thing. It feels a bit like Miyazaki's love letter to what could have been. Mm-hmm. You know. I really like the wind, wind Rises. I think it's really nice. Mm-hmm. And 
it chucks in a bit of history as well. There's like an earthquake there. Because it's all about, is it around the time of World War yeah, two? yeah, it's it's set or one. like in. I'm trying uh, to remember if it's World War it's one or two. two. It's two. Well, I think pretty remember. much all of it revolves like any time there's a war, he's like it's Miyazaki is. We're talking about World War Two. Oh, yeah. Okay, I just wasn't couldn't remember if it was World War One. Well, yeah, those are, those are my uh, honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. I mean, there yeah. are a few others I could put in my honorable mentions yeah. as well as as I said, there were plenty that I could have put for my number five spot. So I'm going to restrain myself from just <laughs> chatting about all the films because okay. I think we've discussed as a collective a lot of the films are super strong. There's so mm. many to choose from. There's really not a bad film. I mean, we've got our dishonorable mentions coming up, but well, the, the only, I just wanted to say that I was like, oh, about Kiki's Delivery Service, because I don't really like Kiki's Delivery Service. I know a lot of people don't like it. I quite enjoy it. I think it's light. It's fun. Flying around on a broomstick. What's wrong with that? What's not to love that? <laughs> <laughs> maybe I like witches a lot, like especially when I was a kid, so maybe that's, that's why I like. Sabrina, it. Teenage Witch? Yeah. yeah. Worst Witch? Worst Witch. Oh, you maybe. did like witches a lot. Yes, man. I did. So, yes, <laughs> so maybe that's the only, you know, yeah. I don't know, something. You know, you just feel stick with you, you enjoy them. And like I said, I know a lot of people don't necessarily like mm-hmm. it. That's fine. It's just something I enjoy. Um, if we, so would Kiki's Delivery Service be in your unhonourable mentions list? It's not bad enough for that. Oh, right. It's, okay, it doesn't, okay. it's not dishonourable. It doesn't do them a disservice for being in existence. I think there are only two films in the dishonourable mention list um, between us. There's one I want to mention which occupies its own... There's two I want to mention which I think occupy their own space. In the Dishonourable Mentions case. Not in the... Oh, not in the Dishonourable. Okay. So maybe I'll just... Yeah. You go for your two. I'll check those out first because I do have Dishonourable ones. Yeah, yeah. But But these are not quite Dishonourable. No, no, okay. These these sort of occupy a weird space. You cover them. So the two I want to just quickly mention are um, From Up and Poppy Hill and Ponyo. Mm. Now, they both are watchable... I remember not liking Ponyo much, really. I, I I can't even really remember too much about Ponyo. Isn't it just like The Little Mermaid? Yeah, pretty much. But without Prince. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a nothing happens film. Which, you know, there are plenty of those that I enjoy. I mean... But the the other ones have that sort of redeeming quality of their aesthetic, aesthetics or their tone. Or even Pony- just the characters. Characters. Yeah. I think Ponyo just doesn't quite hit any of hit those. Hit that reach. Sure. So that's one... That's that's one of them. And as I said... Uh, up on Poppy Hill. From Up on Poppy Hill. So this was directed by Miyazaki's son, Goro mm. Miyazaki, who, uh, hilariously, I think Miyazaki just doesn't rate... He he didn't go and see it in the cinema. Well, yeah, well, if, you know, this is certainly, um, you know, <laughs> your privilege of your parents, isn't it? Nepo baby. Yeah, I mean, it literally is Nepo baby, but it's just funny that Miyazaki was willing to give his son a go and then was just like... It's, not good. It's not good. It's I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> well, you know, really, he's got high standards. Yeah, but again, that one's quite a nostalgic um, coming of age film. And when I first watched it, I thought oh, that was a load of rubbish. <laughs> and then I've rewatched it since, and I've come to have more of an appreciation for it. It's and, growing on you a bit. Yeah, and right. I think compared to the subsequent Goro Miyazaki film, <laughs> <laughs> that will be in our dishonorable mention category. So. Uh, yeah. Um, it's not bad. I would recommend it to people. And I, w- I would also recommend Ponyo, but just with a... Grain of salt. Grain of salt. Cool. Yeah. All right, so unhonourable mentions. You go first, because I want to I wanna hear what you... Well, what I think thinking. this is, from both of us, is Tales from Earthsea. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I hate it as much as you seem to hate it. I, I don't actually hate it, like, with Venom, but I just think it's not as good as any of the other films. Why is that? I don't know. What's wrong with it? Something... Wait, who's it directed by? It's directed by... Uh, I've got it right here. Um, oh. Goro <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. The Sun. Yeah, okay. I think all of the Sun's films are just... They're almost like they're trying to reach for what Miyazaki's good at, but it's just not in his wheelhouse. He should just try and do something else, mate. Yeah. I, he, he he's like he's trying to his... recapture his dad's skill be your own man you should like totally just do something really different yeah and also i'm not sure he wants to be a film director no i don't think that's the thing he wants it's it must be hard when you grow up and you've got this like iconic parent like there is no one in the world like Hayao Miyazaki you might say Isao Takahata and the others but really in the world of people knowing about Studio Ghibli Mm. Miyazaki is that got the guy, you know? Yeah. So it must be hard to live in that shadow. It is, it is. But I think you just, 
I mean, I was just looking on Rotten Tomatoes and Tales of Ursi has 40%. That's tough. It's tough, <laughs> That's tough, man. <laughs> I wonder if Miyazaki went to see this film. <laughs> I, probably not. <laughs> As in his dad. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> the thing is... But why does he keep giving him money then to make these films? I don't know if things going to end up on the streets. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's worried for his livelihood. I don't know. Well, so, I mean... Okay, I think I've... I've just thought about it. And I think a running theme throughout all of Goro's films is the aesthetic is there, but the story and the plot is missing. And the characters, I think. Yeah, it's it's like filmmakers that like... shoot for that moment, mm. but a film isn't a moment. A no. film is a is a plot. It's... Uh, you know how I would say it's yeah. like the light the lights on, but nobody's there. That's how I would describe right. his films. Well, he's not stupid. No. <laughs> I meant the feeling of... Oh, like, oh what, okay, the, okay, okay. Not him as a person. I don't know what he was thinking when he was I thinking. thought you meant the light's on, but it's not really no, not mine. <laughs> I meant the films themselves. It's like the light's on. It's a spectacle. Oh, animation. Right, right, you know, obviously, it's amazing quality. Yeah. Like, if you compare it to other films, it's yeah. obviously great animation. Mm-hmm. But there's just... It's almost like there's nothing in between. Yeah, in the, subs- the style of a substance. Yeah, exactly. You know? so um, that's what I meant by that. Which process. is a shame, because in Tales of Earthsea... There's some really nice animation. Mm. Yeah, really yeah. Nice. The like, dragon's amazing. The dragons are amazing. The weird, skinny, twisted, evil thing. thing <laughs> guy. Wizard? Uh, wizard? Wizard? Yeah, it's all about wizards. Um, bad wizard, bad wizard. Good wizard versus bad wizard. Yeah. And, you know, even the lighting effects. I remember, like, when they used the staffs and, like, they had these, like, light coming through and shining. I'm like, actually, it looks really nice. Yeah. He clearly spent a lot of time making it look nice. Maybe he just needs to be a like visual designer, or you know, I don't or he could just be the animator. I don't think he needs to necessarily be the director yeah, just, or just writer. Draw, man, yeah, draw. He just draw. And uh, it's it's a shame because also Poppy Hill, you know, the other one uh, that he's directed, that was also visually nice. Like it yeah. looked really good. Just the substance was missing a bit. Mm. So, so what's the one in your dishonourables list? Actually, I think you might have mentioned it earlier, but. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I, I'll agree with Tales of Ursia. I, I can. That's, in, that's my I can put that in the dishonorable. What's in your dishonorable? Last one. Oh, I haven't even seen it. Oh. But it just deserves to be there. Okay. Um, in case anyone doesn't know, in 2020, there was mm-hmm. a film released. Oh, called yeah. Earwig and the Witch. <laughs> <laughs> and Earwig in the Witch or Earwig and the Witch? And the Witch. Right, okay. So like I'm not quite sure what happened here. This was the first 3D movie that Studio Ghibli had done. And Goro went a bit nuts. Um, oh, yeah. I remember so seeing that ad for this. Basically. Just being like, what the heck is this? It's animation is this like clay stop motion thing. I, this, has I 20, this has 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so basically, I, I didn't go see I didn't even touch it. The trailers put me off for one thing. But I probably would have watched it still. But then when the cr- reviews came out, Everyone was basically like, this film just doesn't have a plot. There's mm. literally, there is actually no plot in this movie. And everyone was saying, what? this doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. there's no story. The characters amount to nothing. There's no mm. development. There's nothing. It's just basically, I think it's about this young witch who lives with these three older mm. witches. I, I don't know much more. She like is like a musician or something? Yeah, she is. She's a singer. Um it's just the animation is terrifying and it just puts not in the, a good way not in a good way and it, it puts a good case for them to just stay with the traditional drawing animation yeah. for sure and again why on earth is they they let um Goro do Goro the do first 3D as well I mean just it doesn't seem like a good idea and, and yeah the, this does not even have the redeeming factor of the animation being good because mm. it looks horrible it doesn't look I, nice it's I not pretty it's not good. I think it had universal dis disclaim. Yeah, disclaim. <laughs> like distaste for the way it looked and and the story and the plot and the characters. Yeah, but everyone said that there's literally no plot. What can you do when there's no plot? There is absolutely no plot. So I've not been inspired or interested at all to go Ooh. and see Earwig and the what. Yeah, what? I was just looking at some of these very scathing reviews. Oh, let's hear a little. Let's oh, no, I was it. just saying generally the reviews are Are there any very... good lines shouting to you? I want to hear something because I've read some pretty tough, tough stuff about that movie. It just says, Goro Miyazaki himself seems not to understand the elements necessary to making a Ghibli film. <laughs> 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 Which is most likely why this movie fell short. <laughs> well, you don't say. <laughs> oh, 
bless. Yeah. I, but it's hard again. I feel so bad for him in a way because, like... He should take up a new vocation, I think. <laughs> or just try and make something... I mean, I know I said before about the other films, try and make something different. But not that, though. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I think is even harder about Earwig and the Witch, is he probably looked at it as an opportunity to go, finally, I don't have to be my dad. Like, I, yeah. I can do something different. And uh, the problem is, it's not that you're, you have to be your dad or that you can't be your dad. It's that actually you're just not a good storyteller yeah that's it and and you're that's just not necessarily his wheelhouse and he'll have his talent and he should you know pursue that and have yeah. people encouraging him to pursue what he's good at yeah you know and i mean because considering that was a flop and his other films haven't been that well reviewed i'm curious to know what film they'll, they'll do next yeah are they going to have him helm another one just because of the Miyazaki name is that the only reason they have well, him doing these films there is a Hayao Miyazaki film coming out this year yeah but he's, he's got a, he's old and he's like no. you're saying he's always retiring oh back. I, if, I mean if anyone doesn't know Hayao Miyazaki has said he's retiring about 15 yeah, times exactly. he goes into retirement comes back probably out. sees what Goro has done and says <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, hold on hold on hold on let me come back let me come does back. another one and then he's like I'm going into retirement sees what Goro is doing he's like I need to sort out the, the studio comes back does another one. It's mind-blowing, of course. And then he just, you know, he goes into retirement again. It's just like, a thing with him. When you're a creative person, if you t- are like, yeah, I need to retire, I need to, re- you know, relax the mind, mm-hmm. turn the brain off. I'm sure what happens is that he suddenly gets loads of ideas yeah. when you, you know. So, well, I mean, I'm not mad at the fact he's making another one. Hopefully it's, no, it's good. definitely. I'm excited. I want, I want to watch it. The one thing I would say about Hayao Miyazaki, I'm not sure if it's the same with um, Takahata or with the mm. other directors that we've mentioned like, across this episode. Yeah. But Miyazaki has this has a real work problem. And maybe it's... Working too much. Well, it might partially be part of Japanese culture. I know there's a lot of like sleep culture at work. Yeah, and, you, you know, just work, work, work. But Miyazaki is like ruthless. He says if something's not top standard he will getting chucked out yeah you're, you're basically getting chucked out he will come and overwrite your work he will take full creative reign and he sounds like a perfectionist yeah he's an absolute perfectionist and is is that healthy probably not and i mean him being a perfection perfectionist makes sense why he wouldn't go see his son's film well exactly <laughs> i mean he's like really as a parent you just kind of need to be proud of your your child and just be there mm. <laughs> and and all you're doing is showing that you accept perfection and nothing less that has got to be a tough yeah it must be really hard that must be really tough like yeah. I, I've read like yeah it, he's very ruthless to staff and staff have mm. like been kicked out and like you yeah. said we mentioned it at the very start but there are so many now good you know there's always been realistically but you know even more so now there's so many good Japanese animated films not anime but there's so many Japanese animated films that where some of them have come from Studio Ghibli artists, you know, and they've gone and done their own thing. And it's actually really nice to see that happening. Yeah. I feel a lot of the time that they are missing that Miyazaki magic, but I never feel like they shouldn't be doing what they're doing and that I don't like their films, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm always excited to see new stuff coming out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just remembering the movie that I was talking about. Ooh. Your name, that's one. Your name, yes. That overtook. That did ve- that, that did very well in the West as well. It was huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Li- literally huge. Um, it's like one of the biggest selling films of the year when it came out. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. took over Spirited Away as the highest grossing. Oh, Japanese that's animation. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, sorry that was harking no, no, back to something you talked about very early in the yeah. episode. Well, I'm interested to see what they do next. Yeah. Considering Miyazaki is very old. And Takahata, unfortunately, his last film was Tale of Princess Kaguya. Unfortunately, fortunately, you know, it was his most standout, amazing piece of work. So it's not a bad note to end on, yeah. really. And I, that, I'm going to take away, go see Princess Kaguya, yeah. basically. That is... That's the, that's the main game of this, this episode, I think. Main game. Main game. Shame is the name of the game. Name is the name of the game. <laughs> um, I feel like it's been a good debate, though. I think yeah. we did have quite a few different films. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to how diverse and how good that diversity is in Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I know so many of our listeners, like, uh, basically, what I've heard from our listeners is, when are you going to do Studio Ghibli? Mm. You know? And I, mean, I, I love Studio Ghibli, so I was always going to exactly. make sure we talk about it. And there's plenty of other great films that, you know... I really enjoy and, you know, maybe aren't the best, most amazing mm. Studio Ghibli's, but are definitely worth, you know, you could do a second honourable mention list and put Only Yesterday in there and 
things of like course, that. Of course, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some ones we didn't even really talk about. Like, I like Only Yesterday as well. So it's... And they're again very simple about a relationship and how they grow together and that's essentially all it is. Yeah. That's the beauty. I think what's great about Studio Ghibli is they can do these massive fantastical worlds and great world building. Yeah, yeah. But then they can do these very small, quiet, simple films which really tug in your heartstrings. Yeah. All feel like a cup of warm soup. It's making me need some some soup now. Some noodle, just, chicken noodle soup. Other than <laughs> Earwig and the Witch, they, they, all, they always look amazing. Yeah, they do. They're and, visually just stunning. Well, I'm, I'm curious to what the next film will be. Yeah. And whether Miyazaki Jr. is going to be making another one or not. <laughs> he's going to get fired. <laughs> or if he's going to uh, get the boot. Just, maybe he needs to take a, a, a class from a filmmaker. Who knows? Oh, there you go. Exactly. Mm. Well, that was a great conversation. A great debate, I think. Yeah. Great. Love it. And I hope you guys tune in next time where we're going to talk about a movie throwback. Yeah. One of my faves. Oh. Very I'm excited. Ready. I'm very excited too. You know, let us know what your favourite Ghibli films are or if you have got anything specific to say about Studio Ghibli I'm always is I'm, I'd I'm always is I'm always is yeah, I'm, I'm listening <laughs> I'm all is I'm, oh yeah <laughs> I'm always is <laughs> I'm always is uh, oh dear on that note, it's been a, a long night obviously <laughs> it's, it's a tough day just like Goro and Miyazaki yeah. it's tough man hard day in the office hard day in the office my dad's not coming to see my film <laughs> <laughs> that's rough <laughs> alrighty ho check out our other episodes of the podcast yeah we've had seven out so far oh yeah so that's that's seven amazing episodes for you to check out if I do say so myself huh? <laughs> 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 alright bye see you next time bye bye <laughs> fly your pants what a way to close